Hello? Hello? Where is everybody? I've just been looking for the podcasters all day. Where could they be? Don't they realize it's Halloween? It's time for another adventure, and I have a deliciously evil one planned for them this time. But I can't find them. Uh, they should remember. After all, this is our fifth time doing this. I wonder... Wait. Our fifth time? This couldn't be... The end of the series? They wouldn't do that to me! Not after all the torment and torture I've put them through? Ugh. Well, at least hopefully they won't do something lame like a rap party episode or something like that. Ugh. Well, obviously I'm not wanted. I shall have to head back to my underworld. I wonder where I left my Cheetos. <laughs> Guys, guys, the door's open. Let's go ahead and uh, let's let's just meet in here. I guess this, this should work for now. I guess. Yeah. Well, what what is that smell? Did, it wasn't me, Jeff. Jeff. Some someone open the window, please. Have you been eating chili again? Chili and egg salad sandwich. Okay. A couple of cokes, five caramel macchiatos. But also, I took care of that business before I got in here. I think that smell. I'm gonna say was brimstone. Mmm. But Mephisto actually smells like sandalwood and cherries, so no, it was me. <laughs> I don't want to know how you know that. Uh, We've spent like four seasons with them. I think you'd know a man's scent by this time. No, nah, I blocked that out. I blocked that out with a lot of drinking. I thought that was just his cologne. Ah. Uh. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, that's the excuse this year. Welcome, everybody. Uh, normally, we do this really elaborate crossover where we like plan out, like, okay, you're going to be on this show, you're going to be on this show, and we figure out a cool overarching theme of books or a series that we're going to do. And um, we got lazy. Yeah. Yeah. We forgot. It became October. I think just life. Yeah. Yeah. I think it got busy, I think is what it really boils down to. I know I have a, a five-year-old that's in, uh, just started kindergarten. I got a remodel that won't, since I've got a kid going to kindergarten, she brings every childhood disease known to man back. So Ooh. she's been to school for five weeks and she's already had like three days off and she has bronchitis right now and we've got colds Good all the time. It's, it's the bestest. She's a sharer. She is. She shares. All kids share. <laughs> I went to a uh, fun run at her school and I was like, I wonder why kids get sick all the time as I watch just kids cough in each other's faces. <laughs> Look, it's my best friend, Timmy. <laughs> Needless to say, we all had a lot of things going on. Plus, there's just all this content of TV shows and comic books and books and novels and everything else that, you know, distracts us from doing things that our fans want us to do, like record good content. So this is what you got, folks. You've got us all here. And who is here, mind you? Well, let's go around the horn and introduce ourselves. I, of course, am Rick from Jeff and Rick Present, Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeff, you might as well go next. I'm Jeff from Jeff and Rick Present, Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. My partner in the crime is Rick. Also, I recently listened to the episode of Mo Monday Movie Muckabout that I hosted for Rick as a little surprise. And I said, hmm, that's my podcast now. I like it. So, 
<laughs> and now let's move on to a tomb prince. Tomb prince, yes. Did I say that you, right? You did pronounce it in the proper British, French, Gaelic, Scandinavian accent. That was perfect. <laughs> this is Tim Price, and like my Zoom handle on this call has been modified by some mischievous imp of some sort. I don't think it was Mephisto himself. He's not. This is not his style. Uh, you know, you know. There's some mis- other mischievous imps around here, Rick, who will do things like that. But yes, I'm Tim Price, host of the Outcasters, Batman the Outsiders podcast on the Right On Network, and I'm here to make trouble galore. But yes, busyness has been afoot with my twin kids who are seniors in high school and thus looking at colleges and preparing for college applications and things like that. And so, as you can imagine, yeah, (laughs) there's a lot. Tim, I I just need to remind you, Tim. If you cry on your electrical equipment, it will void all kinds of warranties and make the sound really bad. So, mm. you know, make sure your tears are outside of the closet. Okay. Pro tip. Pro tip. Got it. Also, twins are half as much work as having a single kid, right? Um, uh, The math there does not really work. No. <laughs> That's not how the math works. Mm. It is like having two single kids. Not two kids. Oh, not sounds- two kids a year apart. Or even further, it's like having two single kids. So you get double the stress. Well, that sounds like a nightmare. You get double the stress in the same time period. So Oh, you get it over with. You know, that's the thing. Oh yeah, that's what I'm looking for. That's the the one bright side, one bright shining light in the upcoming nightmare of paying for college tuition that I see on the horizon is that it's four years and we're done. But it's four years of twice the rate of any other kid would be that's my life yeah but see once they both leave together you can then change the locks and change your name (laughs) and go into hiding tell them that you're paying for the school of their choice they go there and then yeah i I was just Ah, gonna say you know tim (laughs) with all the finances problems that you're gonna have you might have to get yourself a second job have you thought about Mowing the lawn or delivering newspapers. I hear it's all the rage with kids these days. Well, I checked my old comic books and I see I can make a fortune selling grit. So I think I'm going to do that. Yes. That's what I'm looking for. That grit bucks coming through. And with all the helpful advice I've gotten here, I think I'm going to move along and hand off the the horn to uh, Kimberly Sedano. So, Kimberly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Al uh, Sedano from Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos Podcast, and it's my wife's uh, Zoom account, so that's why that's her name on there. Oh, sure it is. I'm experimenting. Who cares? Hey, it's we don't judge. Don't, 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 don't judge. judge. Don't judge. No, it's don't my judge. life. I do what it's I want. perfectly fine. I said that. It's my life. I can do what I want. Exactly. Suck it. <laughs> <laughs> Hell of an introduction, Al. Hell of an introduction. <laughs> Suck it. <laughs> that is bringing the fans. I'm not following that. Besides, I don't have the money for it. <laughs> All right, well, we should go to our last two because we got two at once. It's like having twins. It's like twins. <laughs> Except you can tell them apart. Oh, 
Um, I don't know if that yeah, analogy yeah, works. That, 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 that is a fun analogy and also a little creepy. Little creepy. Yeah. Little weird, yeah. It's yeah. a weird one. Hello, I'm John Schaefer Hames. I'm Maggie Schaefer Hames. We are the Schaefer Hameses, the host of MWC Podcasts, the variety of them, Married with Comics, Married Watching Cartoons. It stands for a lot of things. It does. We're also on Transformers Chronicles, and we do the Rod Pod as well. And right them. now, we're here talking spooky season. Spooky. Spooky. But you forgot the most important one is Married Weaning Canines. Married weaning oh, canines. We're past, that we're past the weaning. Thank God. She's, <laughs> <laughs> she's sleeping uh, now. Yeah, she's sleeping right now. So we're not going to invoke her name. We're just going to let her sleep. No. Yep. We're going to keep it, try to keep it quiet and speak at a nice tone until I get really excited and loud and ruin everything, like, you know, every other moment of my life. So, so what, five? Four minutes? Do we have a dead We can on take this a one bet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, right, right. Do a start a pool. We can start a pool or we can just start I got three minutes. Up. I got four minutes. I got four minutes. Three, three, three. Anybody got three? Three, three, three. We got three in the corner. Two, <laughs> I two minutes. Do I get to bet on this? No. The I we're going right now, I'm going to go ahead and go for two minutes because, I mean, I think that we're going to wake yeah. this dog up pretty fast. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, got, I got faith. 435. <laughs> the one thing about the dog is I'd rather be concerned about my dog waking up than having to send twins to college. She's not going to go to college. She's already living her best life. I don't know. She's pretty what smart. What about obedience school? Can can I trade? Free on YouTube. Heck no. We like our puppy. <laughs> <laughs> Which also means if you like your puppy, you hate Tim's kids. Yeah. That's what I we need to talk about. That sounds no. like some sort of Mephisto-sponsored Twilight Zone-esque <laughs> thing. Oh, and now that you've said it, it must happen. Wait, we didn't say anything. And... To be fair, if the dog's going to college, the college is not obviously paying for the that dog because that's pretty damn impressive. Hey, there are no so. rules that say the dog can't go to college. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Airbud rules. I want to also recognize and pour one out for one of our friends who was supposed to be here tonight to join us, and that is our good buddy Sean Ross from Never Ending Reading Pile podcast. He was supposed to be here, but he had a sick kid, so that's what happens, unfortunately. But the rest Salute. of us are here. And what are we going to talk about, guys? I have no idea. Yeah, we didn't get that far. We yeah, just no. agreed to. <laughs> I, were to- I thought that was it. Yeah. yeah that was- okay, we're just here to say hi. I was told yeah. that we needed to bring like a reading pile or something about books to talk about. That was the individual task that we gave you. Oh, yeah. I was paying attention anyway. I was when I read that was it, all, so whatever. That was- just for yeah, you. We, we, yeah, yeah, we said you were going to bring a book, bunch of books to talk about, Rick. Exactly. You were going to bring them, and we're just going to make fun of what you bought. Were we supposed to bring beer? Because um, oh, I I do have beer. Well, I've got myself a drink. As but, do I. Yeah. Okay. So I brought locust ciders, seasonal chai, hard cider. It felt nice. very festive for the season, and I saw this at Costco, and I was like, "Well, that sounds interesting." I haven't tried it until tonight, and it is a chai cider beer, and it is really good. Nice. I love chai. I love cider, and I love beer. Those have all the words I like. The taste is nice and spicy, so that's what I am drinking tonight. Who's next? Well, I'm drinking an old standby, which is Widmere Brothers Hefeweizen, an American Hefeweizen, uh, where I have not had it in forever, and I've been saying i got to go to the store and get some, and so I went and did, and then I had it, and I said, oh, nostalgia, you've once again let me down. I was very sad. And then I said, wait, I put some citrus in there, and it gets real good, so I've been splashing some lime juice in it, and yum, yum, yum. <laughs> I had coffee. You had coffee? All right. 
since it's a Tuesday night and a school night as well, I'm, I'm back in college taking classes. I had to buy state law and local ordinance. I'm drinking a 16-ounce Pabst Blue Ribbon. Mm. <laughs> Who's been milk, milking that state farm first prize for a good 150-odd years now, but friend um, of hipsters and poor people since 1844. Pabst Blue Ribbon it is. Mm, PBRs. I mean, right Right now, I think that we might have sponsorship for the show because that was a commercial and a half. I am mm-hmm. sure we are going to get a dime from that company for that ringing endorsement, sir. I know there was a renaissance of that in the area here, too, uh, in which mm-hmm. I would go to parties and everybody's like, hey, PBR, here's a big old rack and a half of PBR. Oh, yeah, let's get back into that old classic. And I was like, hmm, all right. <laughs> the number one thing I think of with Pabst Blue Ribbon is that I could always see like 50 commercials for it whenever I'd watch the Chicago Cubs play on WGN when I was a kid. So that's what I know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so they'd play them during the Brewers games as well. For Oh, there you go. Well, of course, the Brewers. Yeah. Of course. Well, that would be Miller, but yes. <laughs> I got Paps Blue Ribbon on my mind. That's all I remember. It is the spooky season. <laughs> there was a bit of an assignment for us, I guess, as just to bring about or bring or talk about some of the books that we are reading that fall on the spooky side. And so I, I brought a couple of selections myself. I'll throw one out there on the pile. Has anybody been reading Bunny Mask? Nope. No. I've I sort of. It. I read the free comic book day special. As did I. It was Ooh. pretty good. I'm going to have to read more. Yeah, here it is. Yep. So I have it right here. Yep. Or am I awesome. going to look for it? I just haven't had a chance to get more. But it was... Interesting. Yeah, it's by Aftershock Comics. I picked it up with that free comic book day as well. And I went out and picked up the first trade. The second, the series itself is out on the second trade right now, or the books for the second trade. So I'm waiting to get that. I'm going to pick this up in trades. It is creepy. It is disturbing. It's dealing with those really uncomfortable things right in the, in the near shadows. And the main character is this woman demon monster who wears this bunny mask and is absolutely frightening and it is the stuff of just horror and terror and i really like that free holiday read and that got me interested in this so that was one of the times when the the free comic book day book actually helped me buy a series or get into a series so i really appreciated that yeah it's like one of the two things i read that was like okay i want to buy more of these so like one of those like two out of like the 20 books i bought (laughs) i got for free did anybody else pick up that free book or have has heard of it at all nope didn't make it out to a free day this year. Yeah, not I, but it sounds fascinating. I'm trying to think of what else to say about it. I should mention who wrote it. It's uh, Paul Tobin, Andrea Moody, and Taylor Esposito. And it's it deals a lot with kind of going back in the past. Incident occurred. Some vengeance of evil has come out to walk the earth and take care of some evil that's out there. It's very creepy. It's really does the horror element well of trying to hint at the story that's there and unfold slowly as you try to make sense of what's going on. You and the main protagonist are both trying to figure out who is this creature? What's she doing? How am I involved in this? And am I, am I going insane as well? But the art in it is a little bit minimalistic, soft colors or pastel colors, a watercolor type of painting in the background. And it just is very evocative and, really uses the shadows and elements of the shadows and and 
the creepy things that are that are sleeping and the the creeping things that are moving around in the background. So I, I really highly recommend Bunny Mask. It's one of the creepy, spooky things that I'm picking up nowadays that is really really good. So pass it off to somebody else if there's something else that people have been reading or have read recently. Well, I read this a while ago, as in a couple of years, but I was planning on reading it again anyway for this year because I just it's been sitting on a shelf and I keep going, oh yeah, I should read that again. Adaption Marvel did of Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula, by Roy Thomas and Dick Giordano. I can never pronounce his name. Giordano? Yes, him too. <laughs> so it's, I mean, it's the classic Dracula story, but it's beautiful. I mean, the Giordano's a great artist, so it's just a beautiful retelling of it. It's just another fun way to, you know, consume that. I mean, there's like 5,000 ways to read the original Dracula. You know, there's the book, there's all the adaptions, TV shows, movies. There's just another one. But it's fun. And I like both those creators. When did that come out? Copyright 2004. I oh. did not know hmm, this was okay. out. I need to pick this up. I love Dracula. I bought this years ago. Dracula is one of my favorite novels. I, I read it all the time. I might right now. I'm signed up for a thing where they will email you whatever journal or letter it is on the date it came out. Like, if, for example, if at the top, August 31st, on August 31st, you get that. So you get to follow the story, like, as the people involved would have with the amount of time between there and things, which is kind of interesting. That's actually pretty cool. I was going to say that I haven't read it in a long time, and I'm really not sure. Where, it would have to be in a box somewhere in my mother's house or her storage property. When I was a kid, we had these small little illustrated books I, I don't think they were classic illustrated, classics illustrated, but they might have been reprints of them or something else that was like its own thing that were retellings of the stories like Dracula and Frankenstein. And it's just but these small little books, small little paperbacks. We had those at, at our at school. They were fascinating. Yeah. And I was mm -hmm. in like the eighth grade and they had it in the school library, like all of those we got to mm -hmm. read. And Dracula is the first one I read. It was. There's some good nice. art in there. So it's not the Reader Digest versions of things, because I've read a No, of I don't think so. I no, I think they were called so, Illustrated it's been Classics. It's a long time since uh, I saw it. Just because I, I remember reading those decades ago where it'd be like, oh, okay, I'm reading The Invisible Man, and then find out it's like, oh, this is like the ultra-abridged version. Okay, there's <laughs> yeah. more? Interesting. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, now, of course, I'm looking up this Marvel's Dracula and seeing if I can find it. So I. A nice cheap version I can maybe add to my collection. But <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Darn you, Amazon, for not having it in a nice, reasonable price. Or maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. Now, these books we we're talking about, these ones, were these like small, like almost like pocket size ones? Yeah, I would say so. Like Yeah, like not full size books. Like, mm -hmm. like a little smaller than like a little smaller, but a lot thicker than a digest copy. Right. Or around that size. Mine were, as I recall, the dimensions were a little bit bigger than a digest. Maybe. Uh, I'm and, going by memory, but roughly. Yeah. It might have been 40 to 50 pages long, something and like that. Would it be like a page of text and then like a picture with like a little bit of like caption no, underneath? These, these, were, were really okay. il these were really comic book style mm -hmm. il illustrations with word oh, balloons okay. and, and narration boxes and the whole nine yards that you'd expect from a comic book. Yeah. And we had the... French versions we used in French class of like Swiss Family Robinson and Around the World in 80 Days that we'd have to read through. And it actually was extremely good at learning the damn subjunctive text any tense anyway. They use that way too much. <laughs> 
learning That's French excellent. through comics. Yes, I'm an advocate for this. If there's somebody who wants to do that, I'll advertise for you too, just like PBR. <laughs> Everyone's favorite blue ribbon beer. <laughs> it goes down as smooth as a language lesson from a comic book. PBR! <laughs> call us, PBR, call us! <laughs> We need some of that poor college student and hipster money. (laughs) (laughs) We haven't been reading any comics recently of any kind. uh, October turns out to be mystery month for us a lot of the time. It's a spooky season. Yeah, it's something that I kind of started. Like October is when I watch the spooky things and or a lot of murder mysteries, like a lot of Columbo and Murder, She Wrote. Aw, uh, Angela. And Angela Lansbury passed away today, which was very sad. Yes. Yep. Very sad. Really? Yep. Oh, 96 nice. years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 98, good for her. 98? I thought 96. Yeah, I thought 96 too. But Maybe I was, it could be 96. I can't see. I never yeah, learned to it's read. It's close enough. 95, whatever. <laughs> you hit that, it's like, good for you. Right. Damn, yeah, nice. For sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Very much in the, she had a very good run. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. 96. My bad. So we, and and I read a lot of Agatha Christie novels in October. I'm on my third so far, <laughs> which isn't a lot considering that they don't take me very long to read, but I read The Mirror Cracked and Death on the Nile and I'm working on Peril at End House. And I'm reading Death on the Nile now. Which I'm very excited about. It's so much fun, like, having read the book and now John's reading it and he's telling me what's happening in the book. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You'll, yeah, <laughs> you'll learn more about that later. <laughs> and then we're going to read At the Mountains of Madness. By H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> yes. I have that. Whoa. Because <laughs> I actually haven't read any Lovecraft. I do, however, have quite a soft spot in my heart for Edgar Allan Poe. But I think... Like, you know, so Telltale Heart, Black Hat. Uh, but the I, I, Bells. I, the Bells, I, which I was just introduced to, is amazing. It's a fantastic poem. It's very frightening. He will make you afraid <laughs> of Bells. That's what the difference between <laughs> Poe and Lovecraft is. Yeah. Lovecraft will make you dread unimaginable horrors from beyond known space and creation. And Poe will make you freaked out about Bells, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, bells and cataracts. Poe is also infinitely more easy to read than mm-hmm. Lovecraft. Yeah, I would say he's a better yeah. writer. If you can get through Lovecraft's prose and forget, it, uh, brush out of your your mind how horrifically racist he was. Yeah, and yeah. I'm not yeah. talking yeah. just racist by the standards of he was alive in the early 20th century. Man, he was racist by the standards of the time to a ludicrous degree. And that's a kind of what he was writing about all the time. But he did by that manage to kind of internalize the whole like fear of the modern age that society was going through. And that's essentially what he was getting at. Yeah, we found a YouTube channel. I cannot remember the name of it right now, but it's uh, somebody reading the short stories, like a lot of Lovecraft short stories. He does have At the Mountains of Madness on there too, It's like, but it's like an hour and a half long. So we were listening to one and... I I can't remember which one it was, but I was just entranced by it. I, oh, I it was re- like Nihilothrotop. Maybe it was that one, yeah. but I really, I enjoyed the language. So I think- Oh, I'll, one of the dream ones, right? Yeah. The, there was one of the dream ones we listened to as well. The dream cycle ones. That's, yeah, yeah. yeah. The dream, his dream cycle is really interesting. Yeah. So I'm actually kind of keen. We're just waiting for it to come in at the library so I can put, sink my teeth into that one. But I'm enjoying my Agatha Christie in the meantime. She's a good one. I was going to say on the Lovecraft, I I went through a period where I was reading all of his stuff. Mm -hmm. And the thing I did appreciate is 
like you were saying, John, he does a really good job of making you afraid of things that you can't describe. Mm-hmm. And it's that really good way of describing the feeling you get and making your mind put together what could possibly cause you to feel like that. And it's the reading equivalent to the the trick in film where they don't show you the horror. Mm-hmm. It's right off screen and your mind is creating something worse than they could possibly ever show you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's that same type of thing. And I think that that's, that's what I love about Lovecraft and, and how he can make that fear and terror whirl up inside you just because you can't explain it. It's so horrific you can't explain it, but this is what it's doing to you. That's because what he's writing about is math and <laughs> that what's in the water with me while I'm swimming in the ocean at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, little- That's literally what he's writing about a lot of the time. Yeah. He does not like math and he does not like the squiggly things that are in the water that could be with him. Mm. <laughs> it also <laughs> wasn't <laughs> so much that he didn't like math that he didn't understand math or the color spectrum. Both of those things in science, like a, like a good English major, um, completely passed, blew his mind. So he wrote about it given how he misunderstood them. And that's how we get the color out of space being a color that doesn't exist. And or like non-Euclidean geometry. He was like, was what? How? <laughs> so, it was all he was writing about was modern. He, he was like a fortune teller and he saw modern day movie posters where they were teal and orange. And he's just like, they're all the same. I can't understand. It must be madness from space. It is blowing my mind. <laughs> Jeff, how about you? What would you uh, reading or enjoying right now? That's spooky or terrifying. Well, as we all know, readings for nerds. So I've been watching a thing called the television from very few times between. Also, I love books. I just haven't been having time with it between everything in life. But Disney Plus did drop a nice little uh, special called Werewolf by Night. What could that have been from? Aru, the werewolves of Marvel. Yeah, this is the bit that I cut out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest things that I've been watching, basically, that are horror-related, other than the Nurgle-esque plague that my daughter keeps on bringing in from school, is uh, Moon Knight and uh, Werewolf by Night. Those are two good things we could definitely discuss here. Yeah. Yeah. I know that the those. Fire and Water Network just did a really nice discussion on it with our little round table. I listened to that on Sunday while I was mowing the lawn. And I think that they did a very good job of talking about that film. Round the table, what did you guys think of that? It was fun. Oh, awesome. I loved, it. I loved it. I had a lot of fun watching it and I you know loved it being in black and white. I, the yep. aesthetic of it. Elsa Bloodstone was uh, pretty awesome. Yeah. The actor who played Jack Russell really kind of nailed the part. It really felt good. His yep. appearance as the werewolf was spot on from the comic books. Yeah. Spot on. But also, it was just great that in a, in its way, he really didn't look that scary just because he looked like that. It's kind of like that old horror yeah. werewolf it's look. Universal. It's like, just, yeah. uh, he yeah. just, he's just like, he need a haircut and then you're fine. Just give him a haircut and he's fine. <laughs> yeah. you know? but, a little body wax. But they showed. But all the characters were act, reacting so scared of him. That's what sold it. So I love that. Him setting up with Elsa what was going to happen and then mm-hmm. delivering upon it. It may mm-hmm. not have he may yeah. not have the look of it, but he destroyed everything. Well, actually he caused a lot of damage to everything in that room and he wasn't nearly unstoppable mm-hmm. there. So yeah. that was no, that he was, was getting tased cool down part. pretty hard. Yeah. Nearly. And of course, how can we not love Man Thing? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, Ted. I love his addition as the monster. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I oh, don't. Ted? I really don't think I'm a man thing Ted. fan. I really don't. But when he first appeared, I I squealed. It was yeah. really just hilarious. It's it just like, oh, it was. <laughs> it was so amazing. I loved his appearance. And boy, when he laid down the the burning touch. Oh, yeah. That was a bad touch. Hit the floor bad with touch. that. It was very cool. <laughs> I think the best part about it was going into it with no expectation of what this was. You saw the trailer for it, and I was kind of confused. I'm like, I'm not sure what they're going for here. Are they going for the throwback? Are they going for the tongue-in-cheek pastiche? And so going into not knowing what to expect and getting that, that was the best thing for me. Just the absolute unexpected joy of something that was that could have gone horribly, horribly wrong, but they seemed to hit every single note about right. And that was impressive. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a huge fan of you know Universal Studios horror movies, and there was so much that was just an obvious direct lift from the Wolfman, and, and even from other ones from like I was a teenage werewolf and some other things. But especially with them, the witness to the transformation, and oh, uh, that was so the, cool. That transformation scene where she's like cowering in the cage, and all yeah. you can see yes. is the silhouette. That the was shadow so of good. That was yep. very effective. And yes. that was very universal. Studios, and, so. and that what sold that scene so well was that it's the Joss Whedon method of you know that the Reavers are t- terrifying because Jane is afraid of the Reavers. Jane isn't afraid mm-hmm. of anything. You know that the thing that they're fighting is the end of the world because Giles tells them to. In the in this one, you know that he's scared because she, who we have seen be very capable and incredibly badass, is now cowering up against the side of the the cage at that. So that that was pretty good. At that point, it doesn't matter what he actually looks like because <laughs> then once you see him, you're like, yeah. no, mm-hmm. you're yeah. kind of more like yeah. a monkey. Totally agree. Yep, he's caged. It's safe. It sure is foggy. <laughs> it sure is uh, part of an open cage. Not where you'd expect, but way up there. Yeah. Oh, we're in trouble. Yep. <laughs> it felt like it had that old, like you said, it's, it definitely had the universal look and feel, but it felt like a universal, if they were trying to do that, but they were doing it in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there was, some, was yeah. quite a bit of still that 70s hammer, especially aesthetic, yeah. especially mm-hmm. like uh, what, whoever the, the uh, stepmom was. Yeah, like a little bit of that '70s extra makeup and the overact, slight overacting, mm. and the extra screaming mm-hmm. just made me feel like I was also watching a Hammer movie. If they're like the Hammer guys, are like well, let's see if we could do a Universal one. Let's do yeah. our version of that. Yeah, let's the the in the '70s doing a throwback to the '30s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you I also, also loved it when they did the opening music where they, it's, here's the music, nope, drop it, it's in black and white, and it's in a minor key. That was deep. Yeah. So it is now like that creepy yeah. Halloween sound. Yep. Well, and even before that, when they had the bit about showing that it's a special presentation, mm-hmm. and they have the big rainbow effect come across there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe some of you young folk don't remember in the 70s when we'd have the Sunday night movie. Or that CBS special pre- special presentation, presentation yeah. with the <laughs> and it just evoked that so strongly, which is also from that period. It just set the tone, I think, just perf- beautifully for what they were going to be delivering next. The execution on it just was mwah, chef's kiss. Had all of the get- the other people in here, like her assistant, the stepmother's assistant, the other hunters, the way that they were doing the overacting and they were yeah, really yeah. just selling the creepiness of it or what they were doing and really just twirling their mustaches or giving it that extra little whatever. 
it's another good throwback to those universal horror films and the people that were acting in those, the character actors they had back then. They just really tried to lean into that and sell it for the, the send up that it is. I liked how well it's also just slotted into all of the Marvel stuff they're doing with the current way that they're going. They've gotten away from origin stories. They seem to have moved completely. So everything just starts right in the middle of it or just tells you the origin quickly and then goes. So that's so I've been having fun with a lot of these shows just kind of plopping down in the middle and like, okay, who are these people? I guess I'll find out. Oh, that one's dead. Maybe I'll find out on the recap. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jeff mentioned Moon Knight, and we kind of had the same thing with Moon Knight. We just start off in the middle of this guy's life, even though we are media res from what else is going on with him. Mm-hmm. So that's another one where they've done that. They've also done it with She-Hulk as well, but trying to keep in the more horror and spooky elements here. <laughs> I do like the fact that they're just speeding the the introduction along. It's like, we do not need to you understand people have superhero origins you understand that it you, you get the gist you how know, did she hulk become she hulk car crash got a little blood now she's a hulk okay she's smart hulk go you know? <laughs> yeah. well yeah it's the equivalent of her origin was just a one issue origin because yep. you did that back then it was just one issue done Good point. and that's you know one episode boom done it's all you needed i did love the fact in the werewolf by night that Every character that they had in there was distinctive and interesting. Mm-hmm. And you might not know what their names are, but you're like, oh, there's that guy. And that's he's super awesome and insane. Yes. And also a, an efficient monster killer, but also just nuts. <laughs> also just interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that our guy's arm's going now. He's probably still 100% effective until he's dead. So... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but the only thing that I could almost say was a disappointment, and it really wasn't, it was just because it's something that was on my end, not theirs, was when I saw the trailer, I thought that was, because the way it looked, it looked, the body of Bloodstone looked like Marvel's Frankenstein. So I thought that was going to be Frankenstein, because he had that look with like that kind of furryish vest that they usually had him wear. So I thought it was going to be Frankenstein. Now, I wasn't upset, because I'm like, oh, cool, Bloodstone. All right, I'll deal with that. That's fine. But I was like, ah, shucks, I wanted Frankenstein. (laughs) <laughs> I enjoy where they're going with the possible Midnight Suns thing. They know who knows they can go in a million directions after this, which was it was so great. I want more things like this, and don't limit yeah. yourself to Halloween yep. or Christmas. I want like uh, another yeah, yeah. like another Valentine's man thing Day. thing for Arbor Day or something. <laughs> Arbor yes, Arbor Day. <laughs> man thing Arbor Day. <laughs> the man thing Arbor Day special. Man thing brute Arbor Day special. It oh, writes itself. <laughs> I do want the Jack and Ted Buddy TV series. That would be fun. That would be amazing. I think yeah. it would it would be amazing, but I think it might wear thin after a little while. I think there's only so much you could do with them. But they were both great characters. I love both of them. I guess if I was really going to workshop it, I'd say animated and 10 to 15 minutes per episode. Yeah. Tops. Because okay. I think Jeff can. just summed up the problem with the characters in the first place that they also found out in the 70s is there's only so many stories you can tell with these before you run out of issues. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoyed Man-Thing. I mean, I'm not what we one would call a Man-Thing fan. Oh, that one's going to get like chopped up and sent everywhere. <laughs> you're, uh, not big, you're, you're not a big, you're not a fan of big Man-Thing? Yeah. Yeah. Does John talk about his giant-sized Man-Thing a lot? <laughs> Well, I don't just talk that about it. Confidential information. That's it. That's not a no. Just talk about giant size man thing. Yeah. But all, <laughs> but all of those issues came out. You know, he's, it's a nexus of reality, right? <laughs> ah. Well, now you're getting into... No, anyway. But that was the 70s. The Marvel 
what was that, 73 or 74, when they had that big push of new characters that were all kind of also pushing in on the whole popularity of the re-release and remakes of the Universal ones and the Hammer oh. movies. And then so you had your Werewolf by Night, Dracula, uh, Moon Knight was then, and then you also had your, oh. uh, your Kung Fu oriented ones all coming out there. I enjoy the 70s vibe. It gives me hope that we'll have a Dazzler series that ha- that takes place in a disco. <laughs> so. I, As it should. Speaking, That's what I'm saying. Speaking of things that, I, that I'm reading, but not necessarily horror, I'm reading Douglas Wilkes' All the Marvels, where he went through and read all of the Marvel comic books, and he's discussing just the giant tapestry that is Marvel, but he does do a little bit of deconstruction about how the comic book industry went from having a lot of questionable content and then self-regulating themselves and having that start to loosen up a bit going to the seventies. And they started to bring back the monsters and the a little bit of the horror element back in the seventies. And that's why we saw such a big resurgence of that in the mm-hmm. comic books, especially Marvel at that time. It's just kind of fascinating to see that how that, grew eventually where they just dropped the comic code altogether. And then now we're kind of in a period where, okay, we're just doing good content. We're not trying to do the shock and awe all the time, but what does that look like and how can we utilize all of the tools at our property? Well, when, and when you talk about Marvel in the seventies, that actually ties into what I have been reading lately. That's on the spooky side, but we can come back around to that. If no, there's no. something, no, yeah, go ahead. Al, did you have, Al, did you have something? Well, no, tell you this first. This is fine. Go for it. You go first. Okay. Well, like I'm reading Justice League of America. I guess that doesn't really tie into it, does it? But that is my reading project for 2022. Although I have just reached Justice League Detroit. So maybe that if depending upon your taste, maybe that is the most horrible thing you could think of. Maybe you're scared to death. Uh, Never read but another it. Another thing I've been. Oh, 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 oh. I'm, I'll, that's another podcast. Anyway, uh, <laughs> oh, that's just what I need. <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> exactly. One of the things I started reading this year, which was more of a long game reading uh, effort, was Marvel Two in One mm. from the very beginning. And little oh. did I know there were two issues in Marvel Feature that were really like the prequel to the s- series starting yep. up, which which was a riot to me. I had I, I'm I, that's why I love reading these older things too it's like i'm learning new things about not just the characters but the publication how <laughs> they went about public public publishing these things when you were mentioning before about the birth of these new horror characters in, in marvel in the 70s like when you, i just glanced through what i've read so far and just calling out particular names like issue one has man thing and eventually we get to ghost rider the yeah. golem was- son <laughs> of satan Man, I, I read Ghost Rider. The first time I saw Ghost Rider was in the third grade. Mm-hmm. Bob Buhager. Oh, yeah. Bob Buhager mm-hmm. brought a stack of comic books into school, and he, and I said, and he said, here, you want to read this? And I picked it, and I flipped it through. I didn't know <laughs> what was going on in there, but it scared the hell out of me. It was. <laughs> yeah. And he's the and he's the good guy in the book. I know. What? He was fighting Satan in the book, and I was scared. <laughs> I was very, very like, Catholic at the time. You don't need yeah. to be showing me that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and we have like the sci-fi horror of Deathlock. Yep. And, mm. But then also like Modred the Mystic. What did I get up to most recently? Oh, Brother Voodoo. Brother <laughs> Voodoo. Are you kidding me? But the reason I actually started this series, because what I really wanted to do was I wanted to read the 70s Spider-Woman series. That's what I really want mm-hmm. to get to. And 
her major first story arc is in Marvel 2 and 1. I got into that from there. Also reading her first appearance in Marvel Spotlight. And wow. So her origin really said originally that retconned it away right away afterwards was she's a, a spider turned into a human, which is like, oh, that's big time horror. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But they completely changed that around, of course, later to shenanigans of father fault. it's the reverse you know. of the metamorphosis <laughs> exactly oh, this cockroach turned into yeah. a young girl oh yeah and then also in marvel 2 and 1 they have the thing and, and spider one fighting alicia masters turned into a gigantic spider I person remember that so, one it's like wow are you, it's like yeah it was this is amazing bonkers. But then, so I got, but that led right into me reading Spider-Woman and its title, its tagline on, on the masthead says, to know her is to fear her. <laughs> so they're really, they're leaning into it. It's like, they're trying to make it a borderline horror book. And then we have like murderers like the Brother Grimm in there already and the Hangman and Werewolf by Night appears in issue number six. Doesn't so it's like it's all over the place for that. That's not as far as I've gotten. Doesn't but ben, like, the man thing one? Sorry, Tim. Doesn't the man thing one? Isn't that Ben finds out about him in a newspaper or something and gets mad that he took his name and goes down to be- fight him? And that's, <laughs> yes. and that's yeah. like the whole that's plot. Exactly right. <laughs> yep. That's exactly right. Love it. Hey, nobody steals my name, there, Weedo. He rides a bus, and they fight <laughs> the Molecule Man, who's oh. wearing a speedo. Oh and dear like, God! Nobody needs I that. Don't, I don't know what was the most terrifying thing in the book. You just said it. You, you know exactly it. what it was. <laughs> we all saw I have it. a question. We all saw it. I do have a question of a thing that you referenced when they fought arachnified Alicia Masters. I'm assuming this eight-eyed spider was also blind, so they were still beating up a blind girl? Um, I'm trying to recall if they actually clarified that. Yeah, no, she was yeah. she, <laughs> blind, but with spider senses. So, oh. oh man, that's even worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel everything. <laughs> oh, poor tongue tongue. Well, the main, that was the main thing is that, you know, actually the thing wasn't fighting her because I can't hurt Malisha. A surprise Dan Slot didn't bring that up at some point. No. Again. In his various thing. Uh, probably Spider writings. Island, where everybody in New York got turned into a spider in Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, they just obliquely reference it in that. They, d- they maybe didn't necessarily go over to the Alicia Master household and go, and she's like, I'm a spider again. No, Ben's going to beat me up. He's such a loving, caring individual until I'm an arachnid, and then he's very abusive, but he loves me. And- and somehow also Starscream. She could have been yeah. immune. That's the thing. She could have been immune to it. And then that would have been a whole th- thing about how to save Spider Isle. Ooh, that could have been neat. Uh, Mary Jane Watson was highly resistant to the arachnid mm-hmm. disease due to... All those years of sharing a toothbrush. Exactly. Yes. A, lot of, a, lot of, yep. a lot of shared. A lot of inoculations going on between her and Pete. So mm-hmm. I was looking over at what else I've got over here. And has any of everybody else been keeping up with Something's Killing the Children? Nope. I haven't heard of it. No. No? No. I've heard I've of those heard, words in sequences. I've, I've heard, <laughs> I, I have heard of the series, but I haven't been reading it, no. James Tynan IV, who has done a lot oh, of very good okay. things recently. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, this is his horror book from Boom Studios. And it's, again, it's it starts off, we don't know what's going on. There's some monsters that are killing the children. And there's this young woman that comes out, and she is a demon hunter. And you're trying to figure out, okay, 
why does she know a lot more than everybody else? Why is she trying to protect the kids from this? Why is she part of an organization that does this? And, and just trying to pick apart these different things. But it's also there are monsters that specifically go out and hunt children. And only children can see them. And only children could fight them. That's so, pretty great. Mm, yeah, I want to play that role-playing game now. And the game's name is Child Soldier. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. This is another one that I would definitely recommend. Oh, so the X-Men. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, Rick, I couldn't help it. But when you were saying, the question is like, why is she trying to stop it from killing kill, killing the children? I'm like, yeah, why? Like, just let it kill the kids. Why she want to? That's what it kind of sounds like. It's like, why is she stopping them? They're killing children only. It's fine. As long as it's not the parents. We're good with that. What's the problem? It's all okay. Yeah, I'm not a kid. I'm good with that. You know, just because you were once from New Jersey doesn't mean you have to act all stereotypical murder New Jersey as I stereotype <laughs> all New Jersey people. Uh, actually, he kind of does. I haven't murdered anybody. That's, that I know Today, of. Today. Oh, oh. I mean, there was the thing with the guy at the place before, but that, that doesn't count. That doesn't count. I've been to New Jersey. You can't even go to a deli without murdering two, three people. <laughs> it's part of the rule. The art is fantastic in it. The It's just a lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff. And I was going to show a bunch that of artwork, but apparently, you know, there's Jeff's daughter that's going to look right at it. And oh. you know, she already can't sleep anyway. So. It's true. There's a lot. Well, then she can't sleep. Yeah. No, she's a Hello. kid who doesn't like going to bed. And then she's also, uh, it's been fun with the bronchitis stuff where it's just like, oh, middle of the night coughing fest. And then it turns into whatever. So, yeah, it's fun times. See, I did, I did the homework. I brought books to talk about. Well, there you go. Good thing you did your homework. <laughs> now, I had a question for everybody then. So we had the Werewolf by Night special with Elsa Bloodstone and Man-Thing. If, let's say, the next one they drop on us, hmm. who is the one that you just you just want to see? Doesn't matter if it makes sense or not. Oh. Who do you want to see from, like, you know, Marvel's horror, horror-esque type related characters? Oh, from the horror. So I can't just say Ursa Major, the man bear, like I do every time. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I'll think well, of somebody. If you think you can fit into it, I mean, not everyone is related. I mean, if you really are a fan of, like, Doc Myth the Enchanter from Man-Thing, that kind of well, would count because, you know, he's a Man-Thing character. I mean, I, I would be interested to see what they could do with Tomb of Dracula stories. They already did the Demon Bear in a New Mutants movie, and, and that I don't that doesn't really count. Yeah. yeah. Tomb of Dracula would be interesting in, the, in a serial format. Mm-hmm. It would be great. Oh, what else? I mean, we've already we had we had Moon Knight. I'm with Tim. I think if they did a, a new mutants movie or maybe even a Morbius movie, no. that could be pretty yeah. cool. No, no, <laughs> that, never, Jeff. never going to happen, Jeff. But. <laughs> I wouldn't mind if they did more random one. Like, I would like to see more of Werewolf by Night, but I wouldn't mind more like just random one shots, like some of the minor characters, mm-hmm. like uh, the Living Mummy. Yeah, yeah that'd be pretty or cool. The Scarecrow. That'd be pretty cool. Oh, I was forget about the horror that. scarecrow, right. not right. the regular. I would really like to see them do Howard the Duck and Son of Satan in a single show. <laughs> and, Son of Satan know, could be fun. Once again, it's getting into that Midnight Suns kind of category of there's an evil monster out there, and we're getting together those people that hunt at night and take care of those things that go bump in the night. The first issue of Howard the Duck, I think I ever read. Did guest star Son of Satan? Yeah, it's when he was mm-hmm. possess- he had got yeah. possessed by Damien's yeah. uh, evil soul. So, right? Oh, and right. Howard had the Howard had the the cloak and the trident. And everything. I think the MCU could make that work. I, <laughs> well, they never knew what to. 
I think they could too. They never knew what to do with Howard back then, so they just kind of ch- chucked him in the refuse bin with all of the other characters that wouldn't do anything, and it wound up creating this. I think it helped improving the overall horror vibe that they were doing. I mean, personally, if it's Marvel v. DC in, in terms of the way their monsters are supernatural stuff, I've always been a Marvel fan, more so in that. DC's got some great stuff, but to my mind, it didn't even really get great until Alan Moore mm-hmm. and Neil Gaiman mm-hmm. got a hold of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, your mileage may vary on that, but I think with Marvel... It's just because of the 70s and the way they brought it in and the whole wackiness of it and the fact that they threw a duck in that was created in a lark that was brought back from the dead because stoned college students uh, wrote in tons of letters demanding it. (laughs) I mean, it just fits in more with the vibe of the universe. So you could expect like suddenly Spider-Man encounters Dracula in an annual and it doesn't seem as weird, whereas over in the DC universe... Batman has encountered bat- vampires a good 12, 13 times, completely dis- um, dismissive of the idea that vampires could possibly exist in all of them. It never seems to really click with what they do there. So, um, Well, Batman has his own issues, so, you know. Yeah, that's true. He has many issues <laughs> in several um, series, more coming out all the time. <laughs> if it doesn't fit in his worldview, he's like, nope, didn't happen. Yep. Don't count there it. There are so many young boys' lives he can just destroy. <laughs> that sounded creepy, didn't it? That was inappropriate. I apologize. Hello, future human shield. <laughs> Wear these bright clothes. Go out there and take damage. Batman, could you please leave the nursery, okay? <laughs> Alfred, we need to stop by the orphanage. I'm all out of robins. No, Bruce, not again. There have been 419 robins. Prove me wrong. <laughs> The real horrors in Wayne Manor. <laughs> Alfred, I did it again. Well, the thing is that I've actually been starting to count how many Batmans there are late, now we've had lately. And actually, the number's gone up quite a bit. So, there you go. Well, I mean, first of all, you talk about all the people, all the kids who have been Robin. They will eventually be Batman at some point in time or the other. And then you have all the people that have taught Batman. They will also be mm-hmm. Batman at one point in time or the other. And everyone right. who's an ancestor yeah. of Batman will at some point be Batman. So, it's not just Batman. It's not just Robins we're going through. We're going through Batmans. All the Batmans. Batmans. What's the plural of Batmans? Bat- is it Batmans? Batmans. Batmans. What is it? Maggie's the expert. We're going to call her this. What's the plural of Batman? Well, if it follows the same logic as like like mothers and fathers-in-law, Ooh, then it would be Batsman. Thank you. Yes. I was going to say, <laughs> yes. we're, we're using, uh, we're using the uh, surgeon, surgeon General's. Or surgeon, surgeon's General. <laughs> yes, Surgeon's yes. General. So it would be Batsman. Batsman. You're welcome. Yes. Maggie, it's <laughs> exactly. good that we got somebody you, intelligent here. <laughs> well, it's funny, though, because you asked about, like, you know, what Marvel characters you want to see next, and every single character I came up with was from DC. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I, I think that's, like, my subconscious thing. I just really would like to see DC get their crap together and put something out that I want to mm. watch. <laughs> so. What do you want to see from DC? I Well, first of all, I want them to go back and continue to make that Swamp mm-hmm. Thing series that they were working on because yes. I freaking really love great. Swamp Thing. It and was so good. that show had a lot of promise and I was super disappointed when it got canceled. But also, J.M. J. DeMatteis way back in the day did a book called I, Vampire, and it would be fun as hell to... To see I Vampire come oh, back. I actually, he, yeah. he talked to me on Twitter about that because I mentioned it. And he's like, 
holy crap, I haven't worked on that. That was a long time ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, so it was I, all I could think of was DC stuff. And he brought iVampire back for his Dr. Fate run. Oh, really? Yeah. See, and Dr. Fate's another yeah. one that I'd, I'd love to see. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to see. You will get to see Pierce Brosnan yeah. uh, woodenly. I'm yeah. not so sure I'm excited about that. I'm going to date myself because Pierce Brosnan to me is James Bond. But Pierce Brosnan to me is uh, Remington Steele. Me too. Rem- yeah, I've, I've seen Remington Steele, but he was James Bond when I was a kid. So he's my James Bond. <laughs> he's my favorite Bond. It that hair. Yeah. I, I, he's golden eyes my favorite bond movie i should say i mean my favorite bond is hard to say i don't know if at this point i haven't have a it's favorite like, he was just the one that was on when i was a kid my favorite's probably whatever one i watched last mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i just i enjoy james bond movies it doesn't no, nothing will be better in a James Bond movie than Pierce Brosnan in a tank bursting through the wall and stopping yeah. and adjusting his tie before right. taking off that was like yeah. for, for yeah. me that's a level of cool he was supposed to be Timothy Dalton. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. But Remington yes. Steele, uh, but NBC kind of screwed him on it. Yeah. And so he had to, that's why the last season. Which is Rem- too bad because Remington Steele is also a lot of fun. Yeah. I, yeah. I enjoy watching it. I was going to say that for me, Pierce Brosnan is also the, the, the antagonist in Mrs. Doubtfire. So, you know, that's what I, you know. I knew you were going to say that. Oh, you yeah. drive-by fruiter. <laughs> <laughs> it was a drive-by fruiting. <laughs> But, Pierce Brosnan, the poor bastard who was getting assaulted by the crazy ex husband of his current fiance. Yeah, that movie we, I don't like really holds have, up. The, we have drifted <laughs> off the horror. We have <laughs> drifted off the horror. Hit on the back of the head hey, with a muffin. horror. Yeah, and he seemed like a, a fine guy. He seemed like a fine guy, too. It's just that That's right. he was with the ex. The other man. It could be on a movie muck about it. It ties yeah. in. We <laughs> can bring it back to podcasting. Well, so I was trying to look up really quickly and see if Pierce Brosnan was in a horror movie. And I guess there's a 2021 horror film, False Positive, with him, which I haven't seen. So. He was in The Lawnmower Man. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. He was in Dante's Peak. That's uh, a different that's kind, kind of horror movie. Dante's Peak, Lawnmower Man. <laughs> Yeah. He was in Mrs. Doubtfire. Man. Is that a horror movie? I think it is now. It's, yeah. Yes. But I was thinking of the Hulk, <laughs> you know, in terms of horror characters, you know, he kind of represents that whole Godzilla manifestation mm-hmm. of the bomb fear, but also he created the bomb. So he's, a, he's that American guilt over having created the situation that you're, you're fearing gets wrapped up in it. There was an annual, God, I can't remember right now. It was a, Annual somewhere in the either late 70s, early 80s. And it was just a one-shot thing, which was basically Doctor Strange Love and then the Hulk shows up. It's terrifying. It, it had this very <laughs> Neil Adams-inspired uh, art. So it's just very realistic, almost grotesque aspects. And it's just the Hulk wanders onto a missile site while some super patriot decides he needs to kill the commies. And it was like... The Hulk showing up caused the failsafe to go clear so they couldn't stop him and I things along those lines. I'll find it out later and post on it on Twitter someday. Nice. <laughs> or maybe I'll bring a podcast where I read a comic with my wife. No. Uh, <laughs> I say be nay. Whatever you need to kill the commies. <laughs> <laughs> you bring up the Hulk and the recent Immortal Hulk yep. is another yeah. very, Ooh, very yeah. good horror comic. Mm-hmm. Oh, all sorts yeah. of horror. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. This is body horror. It's really, really good. I I enjoyed this series a lot. I'm still, I still haven't read the ending because I've been picking all these up in the hardback because it's really good. 
Yeah, they're that good. Yeah, I think the original Hulk was basically a, it was a Jekyll and Hyde, but with fear yeah. of the mm-hmm. atomic age. With yeah. Frankenstein. With Frankenstein, yeah, it's, it's yeah, and I always thought that before the whole MCU started, I always thought that was how they could do a Hulk movie. When I assumed it was going to be like everything else from before, it was going to be just the Hulk on its own. They're not going to do a universe of movies. That'd be insane. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I thought they would be able to do a Hulk movie would be like a horror movie. Yeah. Almost where like this thing is attacking, you know, what's happening in this, you know, because it's only happening at night. Do the whole thing where he only changed at night like he used to. Yeah. But yeah, the Hulk can always be, I mean, they could still do something like that with the Hulk because the Hulk keeps changing. So yeah, yeah, we got smart Hulk now, but that's. Just for now. I mean, the only reason we're not seeing it regularly is because they can't legally keep making Hulk things. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of like we're only seeing Hulk during the crossovers right now, where first he's, oh, he's dumb, and now all of a sudden it's Joe Fixit running around with a suit, and next thing you know, he's the, he's really smart and wearing, wearing a jacket and talking in big words, and 20 minutes later, he's going to have, like, sick next crossover, he's going to have, like, two heads and be red and, you know, scaled tongues. I want the Wolverine as Patch and Joe Fixit Hulk. I, I want that movie. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's I do like the twins cover. Oh yeah, that's yeah. a great one. Or the or the alternative <laughs> Fantastic Four movie. Oh yeah, somehow yeah. make yeah. that happen. Yes. Spider Man, yeah. Ghost Rider, Wolverine, and Hulk. Hulk. Wolverine. Yep. And yep. Hulk. Well, they could, well, they could do a what if episode, no problem like that. Oh, that's that's what they should do. The Fantastic Four movie, just to really goof with us. The Fantastic Four movie coming out, and then have Ruffalo, Ruffalo. Oh God, come on, Nick Cage. Nick Cage. Yeah. And uh, that'd be hilarious. Uh, Tom Holland, yeah, and just have them up there, like fantastic for what? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, another <laughs> you would end that with Spider-Man going, "Hey, what if we called ourselves the Fantastic Four? <laughs> <laughs> that is so lame. Say that name again, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> they call him a nerd. And then, and then yeah. Hugh Jackman just walks off. I said I quit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you all got me thinking about the. Hulk series that starred Jennifer Walters from just a couple years ago, where it was called Hulk, but she was the star of the book. Oh, the comic. The comic. Yeah, that comic. I was, I was Sorry, thinking comic. the Netflix or the See, I Disney Plus series. You know, like, you know, you can't say the word series anymore without clarifying, is it a comic or is it a TV show now? What the heck? What is this madness of a world we live in where I have to clarify that it's a comic book? That's crazy. But Oh, t- Tim, was that the Savage Hulk? It was it just, was called, just Hulk, called Hulk. But yeah, she was completely savage. Mm-hmm. And okay. there's a lot of elements mm-hmm. of horror in that particular series as well. I mean, it, it was you know, it was doing a lot that of trauma. That was really good. Yeah, it was really good. She had P- PTSD, mm-hmm. and it was such a slow build Yeah, in the way that like the Bruce Jones Hulk run Yes. It kind of had that mm-hmm. feel where you just mm-hmm. had some sort of creepy feeling that something bad was going to happen. And she, like, what was the deal? She had died in a crossover and came back and was, and in the process, she had lost control over her alter ego. And she's standing in her. It was Civil War II that kicked it off. They were, they, they, they had oh, a gratuitous okay. fight that was like so off like- camera with Thanos. And uh, she was in a, she was, in the hospital bed afterwards. That's right. And all I remember about that, like there was the, the first scene where she's, it's Jen getting up as Jen in her apartment, which is built and scaled for She-Hulk and just walking around this small little being looking around and just 
not fitting in and all this and the art is so well it was it really just builds up that creepy thing to make you because the story is about ptsd and particularly ptsd as experienced by a woman and it does the kind of lovecraft country thing where it's designed to try to make you a person who does not directly experience these things kind of just experience it as general horror if i'm explaining that in any cohesive way no that's ex- that's that's a lot of how i got from it as my myself so and i used and with those exact same words because i am just that smart <laughs> yes so to clarify i just i found it so it's hulk from 2017 and at least the first five or six issues are reprinted as she hulk deconstructed so okay. if anyone's looking for it that looks to be what they're talking about nice. that could be a really interesting sequel to the she hulk tv series or a different kind of horror story to explore in the mcu yeah this was the series where she had basically just kind of abandoned ship and had was like kind of just traveling on foot as jen walters and was in like a diner and scarlet witch comes in to bring her back in and they have a huge fight which that destroys happens the town. somewhere in there one? i think i think the, i think it had yeah. become she hulk again by that point I, or might have i had read a chunk of those and i thought that was an interesting concept and i'd i've, I've mentally i've lifted that idea and put it into a different <laughs> story of my own devising which exists solely in my mind don't, don't go in there so. that's that's a different level of horror <laughs> actually going to some of the recent media that's out there there's the sandman show which i think we can also consider that to be a bit of a horror element too especially the beginning ones as uh, based upon the original horror run for Sandman, Neil Gaiman. I think we've talked about before, but I know we've covered, we at least covered a couple of those issues the, the, that dropped in the surprise episode. So On this very crossover. On this very crossover. So what do we think of that? I mean, I, I enjoyed the heck out of it. I liked the reimagining of some of the scenes and some of the concepts, and I thought that it was somehow better than the original. I love the original Sandman books, but I thought that this was a really good modernization of those themes. I really like what I've seen of it, but I have not finished it yet. Oh, I really loved it. Yep. We we finished all of it, except we didn't see the... We actually didn't see the new episode that has the ones that we covered. Oh, Calliope Once again. <laughs> Dream of Death. The yeah, surprise that- drop. I, I loved that series. I loved watching the series. It was so so enjoyable and like just the characters were just spot on and the casting really evoked them you know being a long time continuity nerd of comics it's like the fact that john was not actually dr destiny is like one thing that i'm just going to be noticing because i just can't help myself but do i care that this was not wedded to the dc universe no no i don't i don't think this the the sandman story does not have to have that tie. It does not have to be part of it to still tell the stories it was telling. You don't need Henry Cavill just walking through? No. As a guest appearance? You don't need that? <laughs> In the last episode, standing around? You don't need a Gal Gadot just doing the same thing? And that's how DC is kind of handling its things. It's all a multiverse. So instead of there being a tight continuity yeah. and tight tie-ins and cameos between other characters it's like no they're all happening in their separate universes so this is earth sandman and that's where this one happens it's brilliant it was just brilliant but yeah and that episode that featured the 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 cats story and um our muse calliope it was just so amazing it it just was uh, it was just so stirring 
when we do watch it again, we'll have um, Al and John on to do another episode covering it. <laughs> just to say the, nice. the same people that were on when, that talked about the comic. Yeah, yeah. And as John M. Wilson points out to me, it was like, that was a really weird uh, issue to be dropped on. And that was the first time I'd met the man. <laughs> it's like, so let's talk about this. Let's talk <laughs> yes. about the most horrific yeah. thing we can possibly think about. Hi. Let's get uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, I, I really hope if they can do a season two, we can get to the Shakespeare stuff. Oh, definitely. Oh, please. That'd be yeah. fun. Like I said, I was happy with the changes they made. I was wondering about, you know, they're going to talk about Dr. Destiny, but they didn't say it and they didn't not say it. So if you want to, if you need to make that connection in your mind, you make it. Who cares? Yeah. He did stuff. People died. Yeah. They never said that the Justice League didn't bring him in. Right. <laughs> so it's okay. You can make that happen. You can make anything in there fit what you wanted to. They made John Constantine, Joanne Constantine, rock on. Why not? Now talk about a series I want to see. Yeah. Uh, she was probably the best John Constantine I've seen on screen. I've loved... Yeah. Every John Constantine I've seen on screen to one degree or another, but she embodied what John Constantine, I should say. Yeah. Just the broken resignation of every aspect of her life. Just walking around and just figure, here I am, I'm in this because it is, I've done some horrible things, both by choice and because I'm a bastard, but it's so good. I want to see more of that. The, the one part that, for me, enjoying the stories, and I was trying to wrap my head around and finally I just accepted it was now wait a minute the Corinthian is not this big of a deal in the story but I liked having him in there I liked having that creepy factor move throughout and have him be what we think is going to be the protagonist of the story but then you know at the end he kind of gets owned but (laughs) I like the fact that they gave him a bigger presence and made him look bigger than he is and also smaller than he is by the Mm -hmm. end of it I agree I'll also say that this particular series makes me hopeful that they have plans for death, the high cost of living. Oh, yeah. It's got to be at least an episode or two they're planning. Because, I mean, the actress who played death was, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh. It, it, she was just amazing. It was just amazing what they did with her and her carrying that part. Yeah, that could be. It's like mm-hmm. for this particular thing, it's like as long as they keep gaming in the game. <laughs> that was interesting. Uh <laughs> Really, this could be an amazing continuing series. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I was going to also mention, too, since we're talking about Neil Gaiman, I love his stuff. I've been a big fan of his for a while, and I love his, not only his comics, but I also love a lot of his audio that he has done with his short stories. There is one of my favorite audio plays. Plays for Voices, I think it's called, is the company that does it. But they did two. They did Murder Mysteries and Snow Glass Apples. And the Murder Mysteries, the main angel is played by Brian Dennehy. And the Snow Glass Apples, the witch is played by Bebe Newworth. And talk about the story of Snow Glass Apples with her as the narrator. It brings a level of creepiness and just skin crawling to it. It's fantastic. But I picked up the recently the snow glass apples that's done by uh, Colleen Doran. Her art in this is just gorgeous, and especially with the entire story of snow glass apples. Once again, Neil Gaiman knows horror and knows how to creep you out with a lot of stuff. 
But that's another thing else I would highly recommend is if you can find those plays for voices, both of those are really, really good. So I'll admit something. When we recorded that one volume of Sandman, I had not read the rest of the series yet. I did have the first five trade paperbacks, but not the whole thing and hadn't read the entire run yet. But before the TV series aired, I did get the remaining volumes through Comixology and had just a blast reading the rest of it. It's so good and so literate. I know you all know this already because you're smart people who read it before, but it's just an amazing series and I'm glad I had a chance to finish it before seeing the TV show. Coming up on a good chunk of time. I mean, I've still got some time to talk, but I wanted to pass it around. Is there anything, anything else that anybody wants to bring up on some other stuff that they enjoy or have been reading or have revisited lately? I got something that it's actually kind of funny. I forgot about it because it's on the pile on my desk here. And I, I actually had to move it out of the way when I was looking for that bunny mask one shot. It was in the way. I had to move it. And I didn't even think about it. It's a book I got off Kickstarter called Classic Monsters Unleashed. And basically it is a whole big like 400 something, yeah, 400 page collection of different short stories done recently, all about new, ver- you know, doing updates or doing new versions of classic monsters or monster stories. So we're talking Frankenstein, Dracula. They do their own, ver- someone does a version of the Island of Dr. Moreau, like anything you could think of, the mummy, creature from the Black Lagoon, just dozens of different short stories featuring these type of characters nice for the most part they're pretty damn good i mean i hope the phantom of the opera etc etc so whatever they could think of i'm 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 about to yeah 312 so i got most way through and so far for the most part they're pretty damn good that sounds relevant to my interests (laughs) i think my favorite one is a story about mina where where she from dracula where she's kind of tricked into thinking she's insane and she realizes that she's not and then she's like at the end she's like no 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 you don't have the power here's the thing the kid, all these vampire little kitties you have now because of me, I'm mommy. Oh, they neat. care about me, not you. <laughs> and Drake is like, oh crap. <laughs> Basically, it's a custody battle. Horror custody. It's a horror custody battle. You gotta love it. That's a riot. I'm hoping it's available somewhere, but yeah, it's called Classic Monsters Unleashed. Dude, who published it? Hopefully, it's available. Uh, what is technically the name of the publisher? It is Black Spot Books and Crystal Lake Publishing. I think I found it. I think you can find this on Amazon. Okay, hopefully. Yeah, I never know with the Kickstarter stuff. Yeah. You know, is it just going to be just the one you got and that's it, or are there going to be more? Well, it looks like Classic Monsters Unleashed 1 as a paperback. It looks like James Aquilone was the editor or something. Was the editor? Yeah. Yeah, that's the one I'm looking at. Yeah. No, they got the hardcover there, too. I think the hardcover matches what you showed us, too. But, yeah. There you go. Nice. John, besides buying that book, what else? You, John and Maggie, I should say. Besides buying that book and sharing it. What else you guys read? I'm trying to think. <laughs> the only book I can think of, no, let's see, horror-wise. I haven't been reading any other horror. I have not picked up a comic book in ages. The book Bullet Train is really great, and everyone <laughs> should read it. I don't. I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know. But the book is a freaking roller coaster ride that'll take you like two days to read, and you'll be happy about it for like a week. Halloween's about candy as well as horror. Too. Mm-hmm. So that that's your candy. Mm-hmm. Ah, candy. Candy's also mm-hmm. good too. 
Maggie, if you're not reading anything, what are you watching? You watching any good horror movies? I haven't started my horror movies. Th- so the thing of it is, is that I don't really like watching scary movies. It's just in October that I I do it because it's thematically appropriate. <laughs> and I'm kind of in the mood for it, Like, but just this month out of the whole year. Otherwise, I don't watch them. But I have been getting a kick out of Midsummer Murders, which is a delightfully quirky British police murder mystery kind of show. I've been watching it on Amazon Prime. There's like 20-some seasons of it, and the main character changes actors. Tell me about the comic book episode. Yeah, there is an episode where there's like this local anonymous comic book writer who dispenses their comic books by leaving them in a box out in the cemetery, and then someone from the village comes and gets it, and they... I don't know, sell them around the village or whatever. But basically, the comic book is all about local politics and, like, the local characters. And at one point in the episode, the detective sergeant is like, well, if they destroyed all the copies of the of the comic book but this one, then that one would be worth a lot of money. A small fortune, in fact, I think is how he yeah. described it. And I was like, in what world would a locally published comic book about, like, local people be worth anything more than, like, 50 cents? It wasn't even that. It was the one that was they were expecting to come out. It was like it would be the equivalent of a new issue that hadn't come out yet if all of those issues but one had been destroyed. Yeah. It would be a small small fortune. fortune. I'm like, no. No, it wouldn't be. Because how would you know? Because... But the thing about Midsummer Murders is that the things that they choose to make odd and quirky are in and of themselves kind of funny. Uh, So I've actually been really enjoying the show. I also like British humor and British things, so I just get a kick out of it. Oh, what we do in the shadows. Yeah, there's what we do in the shadows, absolutely. Uh, And Only Murders in the Building is also another good one. Mm -hmm. I've heard about that one. I need to... Might have to watch that. That is so good. We haven't watched the new season of either of those shows yet, but we will starting, I think, this weekend. Only Murders in the Building is amazing. Quick question about that, uh, what we do in the shadows. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because we just were flipping through trailers of things the other day, and we saw the trailer for the movie. And what relation is the movie to the book? Is it like the exact, is like the the series as a continuation, or is it like mash the movie to mash the TV show? They live in the same universe. Right. Yes. It, it, I think it's kind of okay. like MASH, in a sense, would be sort of an alid. Yeah, so MASH the movie and MASH the TV show. It's kind of uh, like, yeah, it's uh, sort of. Well, no, no. I, See, I the thing I is, I've not seen MASH the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I've seen a lot of the show. <laughs> okay. They live in the same universe. There is one or two episodes where you see the people from the movie in the TV show. That's about it. No, no, no. no. MASH the movie okay. is takes place on Earth Two and mass TV shows on Earth One. And, yeah, yeah. Oh, and, but Radar more. O'Reilly exists in both universes. He's the one who, you know, exactly. for, for yeah. some reason, exactly. that, you know, just he, he's he's the American Chavez. Of, we have Justice of, Society on one, or Justice is it, America on the other it, one, but both of them have Batman. So you know, he's the cat that walks through the yeah. wall back yeah. and forth. He's yeah. like, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Or is yeah. it like the DC Milestone crossover where um, Radar just goes to sleep in one universe and wakes up in the next, having the same job in both? <laughs> uh, yeah, possibly. Well, knowing possibly. Radar, he's that would explain why he's able to tell yeah, when something's about to happen. Oh, even better. Oh, or even worse. <laughs> <laughs> I like listening to a lot of other different podcasts, and I love We Hate Movies. And for every Halloween or every October, they do their spooky movies or they do their, their horror movies. The main feed is the ones they hate or they have Maybe not like as much, but they always on their Patreon, they have their We Love Movies. And this year for 
they covered the original Halloween from 1978. And just listening to them talk about it, I forgot how much I enjoyed that movie. It is. I love that movie. It is so well one done. One of the best slasher movies ever. And it's. With the least amount of actual slashing yes. on screen and camera. Yeah. Yeah. And Jamie Lee Curtis is fantastic. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful movie. So well done. We will watch Freddy versus Jason before the end of the month. I'm mm-hmm. trying. I'm trying to get uh, Maggie. <laughs> you know, something that actually is a lot better and spookier than I thought is the original radio broadcast of War of the Worlds. Is that what I'm thinking yeah. of? Yeah, yeah. Where they? Oh, yeah. Because I hadn't heard it. I think we listened to it last Halloween, people. and it's available on YouTube. And I was like, well, yeah. If I was in the moment hearing this, then I would probably be pretty freaked out by it. Yes. That's a great suggestion. I am definitely filing that away for this year because I've never listened to it either. That would be that would be awesome. Yeah. yeah. It really is very cool and it's scarier than you'd think it would be. I I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. it I liked yeah. it quite a bit. He played Orson Welles that he played with expectations so much. There is so much about it that didn't actually expect to cause a panic, but he was like it was kind of a but what if I could? <laughs> but he it's such a realistic show that they're they're cutting in from it's just uh they're doing a symphony orchestra play this was a common thing on at the time you could be flipping channels and hearing a symphony and you're going oh that sounds nice and then it it cuts in because they only uh there were only a couple of times throughout it where they announced this is a dramatization mm-hmm. yes it was the only era of communication where that thing could have worked you missed it you missed yeah. it yeah, now now in the age of all spoilers all the time. Oh, there's a property that's going to come out in five years. Well, here's all the spoilers for it already. They but, tried uh, it in the 80s. I mean, there was something that was so obviously trying to do this. It was called Special Bulletin. It was a like mm-hmm. a fake. We interrupt this broadcast thing where they were showing you a World War III scenario under you know unfolding. It was around Halloween. It was in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Didn't work. It mm-hmm. had very low ratings. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, finish going around here too uh, Tim anything else that you wanted to add or throw onto the uh, burning fire of corpses that this Halloween group has uh, created that's a good question is there anything else to throw onto the fire and watch it burn? burn I can't I don't well there's nothing I'm really getting into right now but I will give a shout out to a series of YouTube videos called channel 58 have any of you heard about that very no? small very no. um, not a whole lot of them made if I'm remembering correctly, they were produced by cartoonist Chris Straub. And he was doing, but what they're done is they're, it is like watching that old late night local TV station. And it would break in with like little news flash text bulletins. But between the news things, if you watch carefully enough, there'll be like static. And then all of a sudden you'll see something and it goes back to static. It's like, what the heck? And the text bulletins makes it sound like that something is going on, but they can't give you all the details yet. And then it's like the static is interrupted by a, f- is that a face? Is that a mo- monster? Or what am I seeing? And you don't really know. It's really plays with suspense and you seeing things that may or may not be there. It's a great little series. He he. It's been a few years since he's done a new episode, but uh, Chris does other cartoons. Um, he's he, one of his long run series is Chainsaw Suit. It's a daily gag thing, but like one of the gags was a guy who made a chainsaw suit because you know that's what you do. Uh, <laughs> but 
And so he has, he has a great little cartoonist <laughs> art style. I love his stuff. But he was playing around with this as well. And he also has a, a comic book, a comic strip series that unfortunately has also kind of gone defunct called Brood Hollow. That was also a very horror sort of st- series. I loved Brood, Brood Hollow, but it, it was it's a t- it was a challenge to keep that story going. It was a big he was taking a big challenge to do that. But those are fun things. If you can find them out there, they're worth a little look. That's Chris Straub of Met Multiple D and D stuff fame yeah i was gonna say when yes. you said that name I'm like chris straub no way and i'm like oh yeah that's that's from acquisitions incorporated yes, it is. chris straub that's yep. pretty cool yep. so yeah he does D <laughs> okay, too. that's right that's him i found it and i have it i have i've hit one of them once happened to be playing on the youtube on my phone right now silently yeah it's pretty cool it just starts off like oh a minor weather alert and then like there's static coming in and like the, the alerts now like a red alerts like do not look out you know do not look outside stay inside and then all of a sudden the alert gets changed says Go outside now. All is safe. Everyone go you go outside. Look at the moon now. Now. <laughs> that makes me think of And it's like, ooh. Welcome to Night Vale. Welcome to Night Vale. Yeah, yeah very much so. Very w- welcome to Night Vale-ish. Cool, cool. It's got, you know, it, I'm watching. It's very much a, a, a Lovecraft-type feel almost. Because you don't really see, you don't know. It's almost like this whole thing, like, you know, with Lovecraft. Because everyone faints, you know, and... The thing goes away. Given it's Chris Straub, I am not surprised. Chris Straub's Lovecraft uh, appreciation is is well known. If his D&D character is any indication, <laughs> yeah, I'd say he's pretty heavily influenced by Lovecraft, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll be watching more of that later. Thank you, Tim. You're welcome. Jeff. Rick. You got anything for us? Not really. <laughs> okay. I appreciate your honesty. Thank you guys he's, all very much. He's very forthright. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I could form out an outro real quick that would bring back Mephisto. No, that's quite all right. You can just keep your gastrointestinal mistakes to yourself. Don't share them with the rest of the class. We don't need that. We don't need that. Thank you all for listening. Before we wrap up here and before Jeff lets loose his own Mephisto dinner surprise, uh, once again, Al, what's your show that people can find you on? Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. It's all about, well, the Marvel characters, Adam Warlock and Thanos. I mean, come on. It's in the title, people. Stop being, don't be dumb, Rick. Come on. <laughs> hey, it so. takes me forever to write that out whenever I have to do your thank you to Al Sedano. And I'm like, oh, God, I got to type this all out. He always misspells stuff, too, and then yeah. I have to uh, copy edit it. How do you spell but Thanos? Yeah. Just type- I don't know how to spell Thanos. <laughs> Yeah. And so Adam just Warlock, type in Adam Warlock or Thanos. And Adam Warlock and the Nose Production. Yep, there we go. <laughs> yeah, just type Adam Warlock or Thanos, whatever search box you use for podcasts, at Adam Thanos Pod on Twitter. And also, actually, re- more relevant to this, um, if you go to the Magazines and Monsters uh, podcast feed, he's doing a Bronze Age, he has a show called Bronze Age of Horror, where he's covering different horror books. And um, if you look for the ep- ep- any episodes he has talking about Werewolf by Night, you'll find me there, too. We've been doing that for a little bit now. Nice, nice, nice. John and Maggie, pimp your wares. That's us. <laughs> we are MWC podcasts, uh, standing primarily for Married with Comics, but all sorts of other stuff uh, that suits the fancy. Right now, we are mostly doing um, deep dive into Dragonlance. It's where uh, myself and 
Clinton Robinson uh, from Coffee and Comics, as well as Lane from Batman Books, The Dark Knight and Beyond, and John M. Wilson and I are reading through the book Dragons of Autumn Twilight from the Dragonlance Chronicles and talking about that in an incredibly deep way. This is to prepare us for our D&D game that we all play on Sunday that takes place in the same world. Besides that, Maggie and I also appear over on uh, Transformers Chronicles with Pat and Delvin. Hi, Delvin. And we also appear with John M. Wilson on Transformers Chronicles The Rod Pod. No, no, just that's just The Rod Pod, I think, for that one, isn't it? <laughs> Not Transformers Chronicles? It, it's technically either, but we don't That's usually talk about it. Yeah, I guess if I'm not going to be on the show, I shouldn't really say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, still waiting for my invitation to this D&D game. Yeah. Still waiting. TikTok going to wait a clock. <laughs> Tim Price. <laughs> Tim Price, Mr. Podcrasher. Yes, you can find me on... The Outcasters of Batman and the Outsiders podcast on the Right On Network, W-O-N, spelled with a W because the best way to spell right is with a W. And you can find that show on Twitter at Bat Outcasters. You can find me on Twitter at TimPrice17. You can also hear me on the Right On Network on our Batgirl Cassandra Kane podcast. So all sorts of fun goodness over there. I pop up on other things on the Right On Network as well because, you know, pod crashing. It's in the name. It's what's for breakfast. Right on. Jeff, where can people find you besides next to me? Uh, usually right next to Rick and uh, trying to sleep from time to time at my own house in between construction. But if you wanted to listen to us, you could hear me and Rick on Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, where we cover the most underappreciated comic books of the 80s while absorbing alcohol and talking about some kids that have superpowers. It's a lot of fun. We drink beers, we talk about beers, we talk about the comics. Uh, we have since sadly kind of moved past the power pack because we're doing a chronological order of things, and now we're covering just appearances that they're in. So we're doing a, a heavy run in the Fantastic Four right now. So We are in the thick of the Hickman run of Fantastic Four, and it is a nice place to be, I must say. Yeah, that's pretty good. Rick also has another location that you can find him. Rick, where else could they find you at? You can find me at Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout on the Longbox Crusade Network. That's where I talk about movies. I think uh, coming up, we've got uh, The Public Enemy. That's going to be coming up in October. Talking that with one of my coworkers, Angela. So we're going back in time for that one. That's all we got, I guess. Um, anybody else have anything they want to say besides bye? Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, I think everyone. I think there's only one more thing to say, actually. <laughs> okay, I'm out of here. Hey, Dear girl. That was either Mephisto or Jeff. One of the two. Oh, my God, that smell. <laughs> going to crack a window, and on my way there, I'm just going to run out the door. Bleep bloop. <laughs> Happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. I mean, I'm not what we one would call a man thing fan.